This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. America and Taiwan said they would begin trade talks under an initiative established jointly in June. The first round of negotiations will take place in early autumn, said Sarah Bianchi, America's deputy trade representative. China said it opposes the talks and warned America to stop making misjudgments. The announcement comes as tensions between America and China over the status of the self-governing island, which China regards as a breakaway territory, are at their highest in decades. Mike Pence, America's former vice president, asked Republicans to cease their attacks on law enforcement agencies over the FBI's investigation into Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's home. Many in their party have raged against the raid, with some calling to defund the FBI. Mr Pence called these just as wrong as calls to defund the police. He also said that if asked, he would consider participating in the efforts of the House Select Committee investigating Mr Trump's role in the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Minutes from the latest meeting of policymakers at America's Federal Reserve held on July 26th and 27th, but revealed on Wednesday, showed they regard inflation as far from tamed. They paid heed to the danger of a slowdown too, but reckon that the bulk of their rate-raising work is yet to come, which was enough to make markets tremble. 21 people died following a large explosion inside a mosque in Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, during evening prayers on Wednesday. Police reported another 33 had been injured. No one has yet claimed responsibility. Last week, Islamic State said it carried out a bombing in Kabul that succeeded in killing a prominent pro-Taliban cleric. Israel and Turkey agreed to restore full diplomatic ties, ending a long standoff. Ambassadors will be reinstated for the first time since they were expelled in 2018 over Israeli forces killing 60 Palestinians during a protest. A visit to Turkey in March by Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, marked the beginnings of a thaw, followed by a pledge to discuss restarting direct flights by Israeli airlines. Rochelle Walensky, the director of America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, called for a reorganization of the public health agency on the basis of its clumsy response to the COVID-19 pandemic. An external report found that its messages to the public were often confusing and recommended that lab data and scientific studies be published faster. Airbnb, an American holiday rental Goliath with a global footprint, is digging in its heels against unauthorized parties. It banned shindigs in June, making permanent a policy originally introduced to deter COVID-19 infections. This week, it unveiled anti-party technology, profiling in effect, to help owners identify potential party throwers. Grateful to have survived the pandemic, Airbnb is eager to make nice with the neighbors. And fact of the day. 400,000. A conservative estimate of how many hectares of Britain's land are taken up by private gardens. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Turkey sets foot in Ukraine. Turkey's president has been immersed in the war in Ukraine as a mediator. But on Thursday, Recep Tayyip Erdogan 
will visit the country for the first time since Russia's invasion. In Lviv, a long way from the front line, he will have his first face-to-face meeting with Volodymyr Zelensky, his Ukrainian counterpart. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary-General, will also be there. Turkey has won kudos for brokering, along with the UN, a deal between Ukraine and Russia to restart grain exports through the Black Sea. Turkish-made Bayraktar drones have also helped the Ukrainian army push back the Russian offensive. But Mr. Erdogan is performing a delicate balancing act. On August 5th, he alarmed Western governments by meeting with Vladimir Putin and signaling that Turkey was open for Russian business. As for Mr. Zelensky, he will want to probe his guests about expanding the grain deal into a wider negotiation to end the conflict. He will also bring up the risks around the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant, Europe's largest, where fighting has sparked fears of nuclear disaster. A new look for Estee Lauder. The past year has been hard for beauty firms, including Estee Lauder, which reports results on Thursday. The American company has been hammered by lockdown-induced slowdowns in China, which by last year accounted for fully 36% of its revenues. Estee Lauder's stock has shed a quarter of its value since the start of the year, and further decline is expected. It may be time for a bolder look. Estee Lauder's past strategy has been to acquire minority stakes in smaller beauty companies. But its eyes are now set on Tom Ford, a fashion brand worth $3 billion. Should it succeed, the acquisition would be Estee Lauder's largest yet. It would also be its first foray into luxury fashion, following the footsteps of L'Oreal, a rival cosmetics giant which bought Mugler, a perfume seller, in 2019. Tom Ford's luxury cosmetics range could help Estee Lauder strengthen its position in the fast-growing prestige beauty sector. It would also boost its top line and brush off some of its upsets in China. Serbia and Kosovo try, again, to find harmony. On Thursday, Alexander Vucic, the Serbian president, and Album Kurti, the Kosovar prime minister, will meet Josip Borrell, the European Union's foreign policy chief in Brussels. The most important issue is the contested status of a proposed association that would grant some autonomy to Serbian-majority municipalities inside Kosovo. Tensions are once again rising between Serbia and its former province. One of the triggers was a decision last month by Kosovo's government to oblige Serbian citizens traveling to Kosovo to receive temporary ID cards in place of their passports. Serbian officials protested against the policy, and it was eventually postponed, but not before social media exploded with rumors of a Serbian invasion. NATO soldiers in Kosovo have a mandate to defend the country. That makes an invasion highly unlikely, but the same goes for political progress. Mezers Kurti and Vucic loathe each other, and ten years of EU-sponsored talks are no longer producing results. Few think this round will be much different. 
Adjusting England's A-Levels During the pandemic, 18-year-olds in England were spared from sitting A-Levels, the usual school leavers' exams. They were judged instead by their teachers, who marked their charges generously. Grades shot up, even though most pupils were learning less than usual. The government wants to correct that trend this year. A-level grades released on Thursday are, in aggregate, likely to be lower than those doled out during the pandemic. But grade boundaries will be set so that this year's cohort still does slightly better than those who last sat these exams in 2019. Even if bringing down grades is sensible, it will be a jarring adjustment for students. Many will have done worse than their teachers led them to expect. Universities that took on more students during the pandemic, thanks to those inflated grades, are now trying to correct that swell by offering fewer places this year. And the return of rigorous testing will only highlight uncomfortable disparities between schools that managed to cope during the pandemic and those in which a lot of teaching was missed. Humans are destroying carbon dating. When carbon dating was discovered in 1946, it revolutionized archaeology. The technique relies on the principle that living things absorb atmospheric carbon, including carbon-14, a radioactive variant. When an organism dies, its level of carbon-14 begins to fall as the isotope decays. So, the remaining amount detected in a relic, accounting for the concentration in the atmosphere, can yield an estimate of the time that has passed since its death. But human activity is rendering the method useless. The end of above-ground atomic weapons testing has seen carbon-14 concentrations in the atmosphere fall from their spike during the Cold War, and surging carbon dioxide emissions dilute its concentration even further, so that modern objects have the same levels as those from 100 years ago. This makes it harder to date anything from human remains to aged whiskies. By 2050, scientists reckon a modern item will have the same carbon timestamp as something from the Middle Ages. Carbon dating will soon be retired. For now, it will simply be replaced with guesswork. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which musician left Buffalo Springfield to join up with David Crosby and Graham Nash? Thursday. Under the imperial system of measures, what unit was equal to one seven-thousandth of an avoirdupois pound? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kofi Annan, who died on this day in 2018. The world is not ours to keep. We hold it in trust for future generations. That's the world in brief from The Economist. 
available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.